Welcome everybody to another episode of the Be Fearless podcast and today I bring you a fabulous guest. She is born or was born and raised in Taiwan by a Taiwanese mom and an American father from the greatest generation and a World War II veteran. Proud of her Taiwanese heritage and the principles instilled in her by her father, she pursued a legal career. She has dedicated her entire legal career to handling insurance cases involving property damage and personal injury cases. For the past 10 years, she has been the manager partner of Cernitz Law, a law firm she started with her husband, Justin Cernitz, and has helped build a successful law firm completely organically without social media, marketing, or much of a digital footprint. She's a recipient of the 2022 Elite Lawyer Award and the Lawyers of Distinction Award, recognizing her for her excellent work in insurance law. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the one and only Candice Chambron. Hi, Candice. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you for your time and for being here with us today. I'm really honored. I'm so excited for my audience to meet you because, you know, I came across your, your profile on LinkedIn and that's how I found you. <laughs> and it was like a couple of days after Hurricane Ian and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to bring her in. I think people need to hear about, you know, why insurance is important and um, not only as a, you know, for personal matters but also from the business point of view and seeing all the devastation that a lot of people suffer in in florida recently i think it was a, a very important topic to bring into the podcast and who better than you with all your qualification and your backgrounds to come in and talk to us about that but before we dive in into our, our topic today okay. tell our audience who is Candice Chambron and what was her dream growing up? I, you know, it's it's funny you ask that question because um, a lot of people have been discussing that lately, it seems like in my life. And when I look back, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, tell me your story, tell me your story. Um, it's one of those things where it does come to a blank. I was raised in Taiwan. Um, it's interesting because of my multicultural background. I had, you know, uh, a Taiwanese mom who married uh, an American um, man, a businessman, and he was from the greatest generation. And while he was one of the most honorable men that I think I've ever met in my entire life, and I'm so proud to have a father from that generation, you know, he was old enough to be my grandfather. And so, you know, a lot of the men from that generation, I used to always hear my father say to me, um, you know, kids were seen and not heard. And so while I grew up with a lot of love um, and I was raised predominantly by my uncles and my grandmother, you know, they were very, very instrumental in my life. There were never any discussions about um, what the possibilities were and, you know, what I could be or what I wanted to be. It wasn't a typical and when I say typical, I use that very loosely because what is typical in this day and age? Mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I didn't have that typical family that they were like, 
Candace, you could be whatever you want to be. And they, you know, I never heard words of encouragement. I never heard, you know, um, we're so proud of you. So I kind of had this blank slate where I went through life never dreaming because I just, it wasn't that type of a childhood for me. And so things happened very organically. I don't think I found law. I think the law found me. And it was one of those things where, you know, because I didn't have any impression um, from my parents on what my, the possibilities were that I could explore my life, I kind of wanted to always emulate people in my life. And so, you know, the only person that I had in my, in my immediate family to look up to was my sister. And so she was that person, you know, if she went into advertising, I wanted to study advertising. If she wanted to do this, I wanted to do this. And so I kind of followed in her footsteps and I ended up studying uh, journalism and advertising in college. And when I realized that I just wasn't talented and creative enough to be in that field, I said to myself, well, what is it that I'm going to do? I really don't know. And I ended up speaking with a long, uh, a friend of mine who was my first friend when I moved to the United States when I was 13 and she was in law school. And so I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Why not? I go to law school. But I, you know, you things always happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. There was a reason why after, you know, all these years of never being in touch, we got connected. Um, and so I went to law school and I ended up coming out. I wanted to be an employment lawyer. And that wasn't possible either, because as most lawyers probably figure out at some point, what you want to do in law never really ends up working out to, you know, you never get to, I shouldn't say you never, but very infrequently do infrequently do people get to choose the precise area that they want to go to. Mm-hmm. And so the first job that I ever had was for a large insurance defense firm. And that's where um, my first experience with property insurance law occurred. And I fell in love with it. And, you know, you realize that you, I didn't love it because of, of the nature of what it was, because it's nothing sexy, it's nothing super interesting, <laughs> but I was just really good at it. And I saw things and I and I was able to analyze and see insurance contracts in many more, you know, in ways that other people didn't know how to read and analyze it. Um, and so I think it just found me, I, I started to realize, okay, th- this is really my calling. Um, so that's how I ended up getting um, into insurance law. Um, but yeah, but Candace is, you know, I, I didn't really have a voice for a very long time, mainly because of my background. And, you know, that's, and it's weird because you talk to people go like, Oh, I hate getting older, turning 40. And now I'm 46 has been the best thing that has ever happened to me because I really found my voice. I really found um, a lot of my other passions, who I am, and just living life on my terms exactly the way I want it to be. And so, you know, that's me. I I, I love the law. I work hard. I play hard. Um, I have a beautiful family. I have great friends. Um, see what else about me? I am a big foodie. <laughs> I love it. Me too. I, I love, I love to eat. <laughs> yeah, there's two types of people, people that live to eat and eat to live. <laughs> I love to eat. And so, you know, that's, that's part of who I am. Um, I don't know. 
Well, well, you know, I am so excited that you were in such detail about your background and how you grew up and how you find your calling because not a lot of people actually get to to do what they're they're you know born to do. Um, you know, they they don't find that God-given purpose and and they never get to fulfill their true mission in, in life. So, and you just found it and it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that all that you have built in the last um, couple of years, I mean, decades in, you know, working in insurance. And let me tell you one thing. Uh, first, uh, years ago, you will talk to me about insurance. I'll be like, I don't want to know about that. <laughs> but as I grew up and became a homeowner and, you know, um, grew up and I was like, okay, this is important. And I now see the value and the importance of having insurance, but most importantly, having somebody like you that understand insurance, how the work and, you know, can help people when, their claims are denied or something goes wrong is amazing because not everybody does what you do. Uh, there's many types of law. There are criminal, civil, you know, many. But, you know, insurance law, there's not too many. And you are one of them. And I'm so thankful for what you do. Now, Let's dive a little bit into why that that reason why people should have insurance. What do you think is important for people to know that they should have an insurance, not only personally but also for their business? Um, well, first let me let me take a step back to just to give you know a little insurance one on one. So, you know, when you have uh, a home and you're financing. Uh, a portion of the home, you have a mortgage on your home, um, you're required to have insurance no yeah. matter what. Exactly. And so, you know, the people that have the choice and, you know, we refer to it in our industry as, as being self-insured. So if you don't have a mortgage on your home, you can elect to have insurance or not. Um, and, you know, and that's, and I don't want to get too much into that because that's a, that's a personal preference. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't step into the shoes of, you know, people's financial situations and the, and the different reasons, but, um, you know, I can only speak from living in, in Florida where we have, you know, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes, hail storms, tropical storms, um, other types of wind storms. And so when you're, when you're living in a state in which there are, you know, uh, a lot of um, natural disasters, such as, you know, different types of windstorms. Um, and then not to mention everyday, you know, things that could happen, whether it's a fire loss or any kind of plumbing loss, you could have a water heater that might burst um, or, you know, a plumbing pipe breaks um, or some sort of a backup that happens from your toilet or your shower because of a shower pan, uh, a malfunction or, or what have you. So, it's one of those decisions where, you know, if you're more risk of, you know, risk averse, then chances are, if you're in a position to be self-insured, you'll decide you want to buy insurance. Um, if you are not risk, you know, averse, um, then, you know, it, it, it depends on what, you know, everybody's situation is. Um, but I personally think it's really important to have insurance because, at least for me, my home is one of the biggest assets that I have. 
And, you know, I, I have like what 90% equity into my home. And so God forbid, if something happens to my home, I'm, you know, I'm able to um, make the repairs that I need to, because at the end of the day, it's a headache. You know, I've, I've seen really, really sad situations where clients have come to me and because the insurance company either didn't, you know, pay enough or they denied the claim, um, they had to, you know, refinance their home just to get the money to make certain repairs. And mm -hmm. so it, to me, if, if your home is one of your biggest assets, which a lot of people it is, um, I would always err on the side of caution and, you know, be insured. That's fantastic. And I totally, and, yeah, and I totally agree. I, I mean, that's why I think it's important to under, like underline the importance of uh, having insurance and then understanding when things doesn't go as we expect from having an insurance, how, I mean, how do you come into the picture? You know, what are the situations that bring you in um, to help other people? Okay, so um, what a lot of people don't know is that um, your, you know, lawyers that do what I do, because I'm obviously not the only one that does it, um, is that lawyers can, you know, that do what I do, um, we can represent the, the, the insured, you know, my clients from the very, very beginning. So sometimes I have clients that come to me that, you know, have already heard really bad things about the insurance company. Um, and they say, you know what, I really don't want to deal with the headache. You know, I've got a full-time job. I, I don't know, you know, what I'm up against. I hear all these things about insurance companies. I'm really not sure. So we're able to represent, you know, policyholders from the very beginning, from the presentation of the claim. Um, sometimes, you know, I have clients that wanted to, you know, handle the claims on their own. And when they either get a denial of coverage or um, they were paid, you know, they weren't paid enough on their claim. And they're like, you know, I got a check for $1,500, but I know I have damages that are 50,000, you know, upwards then, you know, we're also able to step in and help them, you know, in those types of situations. Um, but um, yeah, we handle all different, you know, uh, types of, of claims out there from, you know, from the very beginning to after the claim gets denied. Um, and it's really weird for me because when you're in it and you, this is all you do for a living, it's so weird that I hear from people still to this day, even from attorneys that don't do what I do, that nobody knew that attorneys like me exist. They're like, really? I thought once I get a denial letter from the insurance company or they sent a check to me, I thought that that was it. There's nothing else that I could do. Um, so that's what but, I get. But good news, you exist. You're here. <laughs> like the Santa Claus commercial. Yes. <laughs> and I love it. And I, I love that you are, um, you know, sharing your knowledge and your expertise out there with a lot of people and letting people know that insurance lawyers are present, they are alive, and they're here to help. What do you think is the biggest, um, the biggest myth about getting an insurance claim solved? Because a lot of people, like you said, yeah, you know, they deny it. That's it. Uh, but sometimes they think, oh, maybe if I appeal, maybe let's see if I can get something else. Um, but they think that they don't have a way to do it or something like that's it. You know, like the insurance company has the last word. 
Right. So the 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 biggest myth is what you just mentioned, which okay. is what we just talked about. Um, that there's nothing, there's no recourse, there's nothing you can do um, after the insurance company either denies coverage or doesn't pay enough. I have to interrupt you. This is the first time, you guys, that I make a question and I answer myself. So I feel proud of myself today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, continue. I'm sorry. I had to but say there it. Are, there are other myths as well. Um, well, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call it myths, but the the most of the impressions that people have are, yeah, I don't think this is going to be covered under my insurance policy. They're, so, you know, people will often, you know, create their own narrative. Either, you know, my 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 loss is my damages are not going to be covered, or my damages are going to be under my deductible, or you know, my my underpaid claim or my uh, denial, you know. The, my denied claim, there's nothing I can do about it. And then um, there are other myths that people will, I've heard clients tell me, you know, I don't know if I want to even file an insurance claim because I feel like if I do, my insurance company is going to drop me or I'm never going to be able to get insurance again. And I always say to them, you know, well, there's, a tiny bit of truth of that in that let's say you're a serial claim maker and you've got 20 different claims <laughs> i can't say you're not going to be red flagged but when you've got a legitimate large loss damage to your home or your building or, or you know commercial property um i always say to my clients well why do you pay your premiums you pay premiums to have insurance for a, you know, a, a type of loss like this that's probably covered under your insurance policy, why aren't you afraid to actually make a claim? So there's, you know, there's that type of, you know, I wouldn't call them myths, but those are the, 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 Common the scenarios or the narratives that are going through everybody's mind. Okay. Now, now that you said, um, you mentioned something, because that was actually very familiar to one of the posts that I came across um, recently on social media. There was this lady, I'm just going to like lay out the case for you so you can give us, you know, some feedback on what this woman could have done. Um, she, she's been paying $800 a month for her home insurance. Okay. Uh, Hurricane Ian came through and destroyed a home. Now they, the insurance came back and said, you're not covered. So she's basically said that she was like, uh, felt scam. And like, she, um, she's actually in the streets. Like she doesn't have a place to go now. So what do you think is it's, did she fail to read any like small print in, in, in the insurance contract? It, I mean, it is true that the insurance might, might, you know, engage in that situation. Like, even what this woman could have done. I, I kind of know where you're, where, where you're going with this. Um, without, first of all, without looking at her insurance policy, I can't tell you what's going on mm -hmm. with her specific situation. But this is actually, um, I feel like this was faith that you and I, you know, met on this because you just touched on something that is so, so important to me and that I've actually, you know, in the very limited time that I've been on social media, I've actually talked about this. Um, and, and I will say that this is 
largely singular to the state of Florida, because I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but there's, you know, we're in a bit of a, uh, an insurance crisis in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while the insurance companies want to, you know, blame the lawyers and, you know, our industry for filing a lot of claims, you know, it's every, you know, everything's a, a jousting thing, you know, you know, it's like, you know, the chicken or the head, you know, chicken or the egg, which came first, right? Exactly. And so, you know, if the insurance companies weren't screwing the policyholders, then we wouldn't be, you know, if, if they weren't screwing the policyholders, we wouldn't have, you know, a claim to sue on or to represent the policyholders on. So what I'm seeing a lot, and it goes all the way back to the beginning. And, you know, for anybody that's listening to this podcast, this is really important. There, because there's such an insurance crisis and, you know, and I keep telling people your insurance journey starts with your purchase of insurance. So before you even get to figure out whether you have coverage and you're suing the insurance company, you're not, you have a claim. It is so important when you are buying insurance to deal with a very reputable insurance agent, because what I'm seeing happening a lot in Florida is there's a lot of insurance agents that are playing the, the shell game of I'm opening up a corporation and I am selling a lot of insurance, whether they are real deck pages, real insurance or not, or not having the coverage that they promised, but they're opening up a corporation, selling a bunch of insurance policies, closing the insurance, you know, making the insurance, uh, you know, uh, the corporation go inactive, starting a new corporation and, you know, opening up all these different corporations to almost escape liability. Mm -hmm. And when, and usually insurance agents, you know, when they screw up, their, you know, their screw ups are really imputed or to, you know, you, you, it's you're to blame. You can't blame the insurance company. Typically, you can't blame the insurance company if an insurance agent that sold you a policy did something right or wrong. You know, um, there are circumstances in which whatever the insurance agent did can be imputed or blamed to the insurance company. But most often, that's not the situation. And what I've seen a lot now is that insurance uh, agents will, you know, you always hear this, and it's not just in the insurance industry, it's all across the industry. Everybody has a strong sell, and the sell is always verbal. But then, you know, so the sell is verbal and it's strong, and I, I'm gonna promise you this, and you're gonna get this coverage. And then, you know, the insurance agents are filling out an application for the policyholder or the prospective policyholder on their computer. They're asking them questions and they're marking them down on the computer. Then they print out that application. And usually the person, you know, that's, that's answered all these questions, just fills, that just signs the application without looking at it. So you don't know what the application is applying for. You've now had an agent that is telling you verbally what you've signed up for as far as your coverage. And then when you get the insurance, nobody sits down. And when they get their declarations paid to their policy, nobody spends the time to flip through it to see if they have the coverages they asked for. And typically, I always tell people, you know, I see it often. Nobody communicates with their insurance agent via email. Um, everything's either via regular mail or verbal. Don't do that. A reputable insurance agent will communicate with you through email. And I always tell everybody, if it doesn't exist in writing, it doesn't exist that's, at all. That's right. So that is my one hope that everybody does out there is if you're going to get insurance, Make sure you research, make sure you're in, you know, and every state has, you know, a, a, a governmental, you know, body 
that provide the licensee information that you can check to make sure that the person you're dealing with is licensed, that they haven't had their license revoked or suspended for any reason. Um, you know, look them up on the Better Business Bureau. There are many different, you know, um, places that you can go to, to verify that the person that you're dealing with is reputable, but that's number one. So I don't know if this lady, poor lady. I, I mean, it broke my heart because she was like, she was in her vehicle with her family. And then she was like, in a live, um, I, I believe it was on TikTok where I said, where I, I watched the, the video and she's telling her story, what happened. And then like showing the area where her home was. Uh, yeah. And it was obviously all flooded. Um, so she lost everything. And it, I was like, I felt bad, so bad for her. Now I feel like I wish I was advertising on YouTube or TikTok, which I'm, I'm going to get there. But I, I, if there's no way for me to get in touch with this woman, but you know, whether I can help her or not, you know, I could at least, you know, maybe steer her in the proper direction if yeah. she happens to not have hurricane, you know, or flood coverage. And that's, that's two different now, things. Now that we're talking about time and you wishing, you know, being able to come across that, let me ask you this question. How, how much time does a person have to submit a claim, uh, for their insurance? Uh, and like, let's say after they find out that it's been denied, how much time do they have to come to you? Well, every state has different, uh, statute of limitations, but you know, in the state of Florida, if you, you know, you're, 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 cause you're, it's a contractual action, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. suing under an insurance policy. And in the state of Florida, that's five years. However, we have specific rules when you're dealing with you know, uh, a name storm or, or hurricane that you've got three years. And so, you know, really at the end of the day, though, because this is another big pet peeve of mine, um, you know, all insurance policy, no matter what state you're in, what insurance company, all insurance policies will have language that tells you that you have a duty to report the claim, you know, immediately, as soon as possible, you know. So and, and what happens is real life gets in the way right? And you've got families to worry about, you've got jobs to worry about, you've got your health to worry about. So insurance is really not high on, on the pecking order of priorities. And so if people have damage, that maybe doesn't affect their everyday life, because it isn't this catastrophic loss. But it's, it's a nuisance, let's say it's like, oh, I know I've got flooding here, but I'm still able to live my life. People forget, people forget to, you know, deal with the insurance issues. And what I'm here to tell everybody, you, you got to deal with it right away because, you know, while there are statute of limitations, whether it gives you three years or five years, insurance companies will always say, okay, you waited, you know, this amount of time and therefore, you know, you provide us with late notice. This is, and this is on, you know, if you decided to report the claim yourself. So if you're reporting the claim yourself, do it immediately. Um, once the insurance company makes their decision, get to an, you know, an attorney, if, if that's the route that you want to go as soon as possible. That's fantastic. So let me ask you a question. I already mentioned that if they decide to do the claim, so that means that you as an insurance, uh, lawyer, you can initiate the claim for your client. I can initiate, but you know, it's, it's a personal preference. I'm never going to, you know, impose myself and push myself on people. But, you know, more often than not, I will say that more often than not, that people choose 
to have, you know, me or, or another, another attorney at my firm um, help present the claim for them. That's fantastic. Now, let's talk about a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about commercial uh, insurance. What do you think are the most common issues or claims that you have come across in the time that you have working with us? So I'm going to give you a great example um, in talking about a case that I have going on right now that has pretty, pretty extensive coverages under their you know, commercial policy. So I'm representing a company that uh, sustained some serious, significant damages from Irma. So many, many years wow. ago. Wow. <laughs> um, and so this particular company um, had really great coverage. So not only did they have coverage to fix their, um, it, 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 I don't want to talk about the company because I don't want to reveal too much, but a huge warehouse facility um, where, you know, certain type of um, aircraft repairs occur. Um, we could put it that way. Okay. And so not only do they have coverage for, you know, the, the building damage, the significant building damage, but they have coverage for their business income loss and any type of extra expense. For example, they have coverage under their policy um, to lease another facility for a year and the cost of having to transport the equipment that's necessary into that, uh, this, the, the lease space that they have for a year to be able to resume operations. So basically they were covered for every single aspect of what it will take to transplant their their um, their business Correct. temporarily to another location. Yes. Now, this is their policy. You know, every policy is obviously different. different. Yeah. But just to go to show you, so not only do they have, you know, the coverage for the, the damage to the building, but the business income loss, um, you know, the, the, the temporary, you know, move and the actual lease itself on the temporary facility for a year. They have coverage for their building, personal property, which is, you know, any of their contents. Mm -hmm. They have coverage for their storage of any type of contents that they're storing. They have coverage for, you know, the remediation. They even had uh, coverage for a temporary roof before they actually were replacing their permanent, you know, the roof to, to a, a permanently new roof. They also had coverage um, for professional fees to assist them in calculating and evaluating the damages. So they had even coverage to hire a forensic accountant to help them calculate and assess and evaluate and to assemble all of the information and documentation to present to the insurance company on their business income and extra expense loss. Wow. Yeah. That, that even includes an employee of the company. If let's say they had an employee in the company that let's say is the CFO and they had to pay that CFO, um, you know, maybe a separate amount of, uh, above and beyond their salary, let's say um, there was, a, you know, and that CFO took, you know, uh, was paid separately to assist them in evaluating their business income loss that was also covered. So this is one of the most extensive coverages that I've seen in all the years that I've been practicing, which is almost 20 years now, um, you know, of coverage for, for business. Oh, wow. And uh, what do you well, I think this for me might be a stupid question, but I don't know. I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think is, is 
what is delaying the insurance company to kind of like just move forward in 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 you know do their part and to fulfill the the claim when it's obvious this client of yours is, has um, all this type of insurance is have really thought truly every single detail what could go wrong in their business wait is your question what is taking the insurance company so long yes that's always a loaded question because i can tell you what i think is going on because here's here's the truth of the matter is you know a lot of people will say to me i don't understand i pay my premiums religiously on time the full amount every single month I don't, I've never made a claim before. Why did the insurance company either pay my claim or why did they delay paying me? Why, why did they do this? And I always tell them, it's not personal. There isn't this insurance company person, executive, twisting their mustache going, ha, 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 I'm going to get this person. It's, it doesn't work that way. But what I do tell them is, and, and I used to represent the insurance company, so this is how I know. You know, insurance, I tell my clients, insurance is still a business. And if insurance companies pay out every single claim and they don't deny any claim, then they might lose money. I'm not saying that that is the motivation all of the time. But you have to think of, of insurance as just another business. And insurance companies, you know, take their premiums and they reinvest those premiums. And that's how they make a lot of money. So I don't know, you know, I'm not sitting in with the actuaries, you know, dealing with all the numbers and calculating the numbers and the reserves and figuring out how much money do we need at this time, you know, to, to make our investments that we need to make. But there's, there is a method to their madness as to when they're going to pay on a certain claim, if they're going to pay on a certain claim, you know, that that's, that's all a, a highly calculated decision. Let's put it that way, but it's not personal. It's not because who you are it's not like they researched you on linkedin and found it no <laughs> it's not like that um so there are different reasons so to answer your question the long and short of it is there are many different reasons why an insurance company might delay a certain process or might not make a decision at a certain point in time that you might expect to have that decision made i mean definitely um but, you know, I'm just like thinking of all the hassles that the person that is being insured has to go through after, for example, you just mentioned in this case, this um, this person had an insurance to, co to get coverage on a temp for one year on a temporary uh, location. Now, here can hear my... <laughs> passed through years ago <laughs> you know <laughs> what else can a, a, a client do to protect themselves or to kind of like continue to you know be insured for the current situation that then now find themselves in i will tell you something on this particular case that i'm handling i actually just took it over from another law firm. Um, I will tell you this, when I look back at this case, because I literally had to go through thousands and thousands of documents. And this is the, the 
prototypical case that I would have said to my client, I wish you would have known me from the very beginning, because I see thousands of pages of emails between the insurance company and the representative on behalf of my client. Um, and I, I see the manipulation. I see the, you know, let's make them, let's all act like we're on the same side. And, you know, I, I, I just, without getting into it, yeah. this is one of those like where I'm like, let's call oh it. Oh my God, I wish you would have, <laughs> I wish you would have hired you from the beginning. Let's call it faulty negotiations. Um, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on podcasts, but it's a shit show. <laughs> you are allowed to do whatever you want. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, I, 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 I have a potty mouth, major potty mouth. It's, I feel like it's also an occupational hazard. You know, you deal, with, you know, shit every day. You're gonna start swearing a lot. Yeah. And so, so when I'm on like a podcast where this is my first time, I'm like, am I allowed to swear? What's you're allowed. You're allowed. No worries. <laughs> oh my God. Um, let me tell you something. You just like have talked about so many things and so many um, situations that you have encountered through the years with your clients. You have gave gave us so much insight on you know the insurance world and the side of the claim. It is so amazing and. Um, one more thing that I would like you to give our audience is um, some recommendations of what they can do um, to, you know, to get, <laughs> I'm kind of blocked out right now. I'm like, what I'm going to ask? <laughs> this rarely happens. Um, if there's a loss. What should, what should they do? Well, if, this, if, this, if, if there's a loss before they have a loss, what would you recommend, you know, the audience to do to protect themselves in either situation? I know that if there's a loss and the claim is, you know, denied, obviously to go to you, right. that will be number number one for me. <laughs> uh, but what else they can do after? Like This is, you know, my... With the limited time that we have, because I could talk about this forever. Like this, I can is, I can give you for passion. I can give you five life. more minutes. I can give you five more minutes. Okay. Go ahead. So my my best best advice is number one: make sure that if you're buying insurance, to work with a really reputable agent, and to make sure all your all of your communications are in writing via email. Um, make sure that you read your application before you sign it. That's super important. Make sure you have the right coverages. And, you know, and for me, I, I can't give the end all be all of like the right coverages to have, you know, that's, that's personal. You know, everybody lives in different states with different natural disasters. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions for people if I'm, you know, like for me, this is this is my passion. I love this. So not to waste your airtime, but if anybody has any questions for me on if they have the right insurance coverages, um, I'm happy to answer those. But, um, you know, another really important thing to do is to make sure that you're you, you kind of have good you need to have good record keeping skills. You know, a lot of people will, you know, get insurance policies or will, you know, do a huge renovation or repairs or what have you. And they just throw things away. Try to keep your documents, really. Try to keep them, you know, at least my rule of thumb is five years because if you end up having an insurance claim, some of the very common documents that the insurance company is going to ask you is, 
you know, well, who are your insurance companies for the last five years or, you know, seven years? Have you had any loss or did you make any major repairs or renovations to your home in the last five or 10 years? So if you have these types of information, it'll kind of speed things along um, as far as the insurance process. Um, likewise, you know, if you happen to have big purchases, big content purchases, personal property, try to keep those as well. Because if you ever have, let's say, a, a major hurricane uh, storm that comes in and you have a lot of, um, you know, furniture or personal property that's damaged, the insurance company will also ask you if you happen to have receipts or invoices to prove up how much it costs you to, to buy those things. Because if you don't have it, then you're going to kind of rely on the insurance company saying, well, you didn't have the documentation, so we're going to pay you what we think, you know, you're owed on those items. And then, you know, lastly, if you do end up having a claim, whether it's a plumbing damage, fire loss, or hurricane damage, you know, you really need to document your damages. You need to video, you know, we all have, you know, phones now. I'd like to think we all have phones. Photographic damages, video, and you can't take enough. But yeah. you, you really can't take enough. From every single angle, videotape it, photograph it, whatever you, you know, you can do. Make sure you have all of your, your documents, your records. Um, make sure, you know, if you're not comfortable presenting the claim on your own to hire, you know, an attorney to help you present the claim, that's really important because the insurance company was always, will always hammer on the timing of it. Oh, you took too long to, you know, report the claim and therefore X, Y, Z. So those are my main important points. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people reach out to you? They can reach me um, on my email address. Uh, that's C Shambron. So that's C S as in Sam, H as in Harry, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, B as in boy, R as in rabbit, O as in Omicron, N as in Nancy at CernitzLaw.com. CernitzLaw is C, well, there you go. CernitzLaw.com. So, <laughs> you can also, you know, feel free to reach out uh, on my website where I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. That's where I found her. So go go, go and connect with her. <laughs> and then you can also call my office. That's 305-370-3255. Um, I'm the most, I'm known to be one of the most accessible attorneys you will ever meet. So if somebody's looking for me and you don't find me, something's wrong. Something is terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a great conversation and eye opening of the things, you know, all insurance related, especially during these times and that, especially in Florida, I'll say, um, I live in Virginia, so it's, uh, it's a little bit different in here, but it's, still important information to know and it's important to know that insurance attorneys are alive and they exist and they're yeah. out there and we're opening an office in houston texas <gasps> and eventually in new york fantastic so. yes yes we i mean just let me know we can bring you back here so you can tell us all about it and talk more about insurance law and educate people out there. Um, I think the more educated that we are, the better we can get through the obstacles that life um, throws at us, right? Especially, especially, especially when we are not prepared and something happens. 
Um, so thank you so much, Candice, for being with us here. Uh, thank you for, for being with me. here today. <laughs> it's been a treat and a, a truly honor. Thank you so much. Um, and I appreciate it truly. Uh, you guys, you guys, before I go, you guys, let me tell you, let me tell you. I have to warn you right now. I'm having an issue with Amazon, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But don't worry, because I, I know you wrote to me today saying that you guys couldn't like listen to the new content on those platforms. It's been taken care of. They're uh, about to fix it. In the meantime, you can go to Pandora, Podbean, um, Life Notes, and some other um, platforms where the podcast audio is going live. So make sure that you visit my Facebook page, Be Fearless Podcast with Dagmar Torres, and um, go through the list and find a platform that you also connected in, and you will be able to continue listening to the updated content or the newly content that is being uploaded. So don't worry, don't freak out. I'm still there. The podcast is still alive. So we're fixing the issue. And thank you for the um, the listeners that contact me today and let me know about that. I truly appreciate it. In the meantime, until the next episode, don't forget to unlock your potential and be fearless. Bye. <music>